Welcome to the We Need to Talk About Whiteness podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Francois, and to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. This is a space where we explore the meaning of whiteness in the context of conversations around race and racism, and as the structure pertains to different areas of our lives. Why whiteness? Well, very simply, because as someone racialized as white myself, I want to explore the meaning and impact of whiteness at our current juncture. What does whiteness mean and does it matter? Every episode, I'm joined by a guest who offers unique insights into these questions and many more. Today, I'm joined by an academic who was most recently in conversation with Little Mix's Leanne Pinnock for her documentary, Colorism and Me. Dr. Dion Taylor is a senior lecturer at Birmingham City University, where she teaches across sociology and black studies and is the MA Black Studies course leader. Dion's PhD was entitled I Wanna Love You, an exploration into the lived experiences of young black British women's interpretation and engagement with representations of black womanhood. And her other research interests include blackness and identity, mental health and disparities. Today, we'll be talking about colorism and representations of blackness in the media. Dr. Taylor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thanks for having me. Um, so I wanted to ask you first off, I guess, about your interest in colorism. What led you to an interest in this particular area of study and to, of course, culminating in this PhD with this title that I do have to ask you about, I want to love you. Um, tell me, what, what, was, what was the route that led you here? So in terms of relating it to colorism, the, the title was based off the 2006 song um, with Snoop and Akon, which we know the title is not really I Wanna Love You, but in actual fact, it was looking at the contradictions that a lot of black women within that particular music video, but, and then, you know, if we expand it out to the genre experience, because for me, the, and what I found when I was analyzing and speaking to other people, um, other young black women and just sharing the research generally was that there were contradictions that women had experienced and do experience in their everyday lives when engaging and trying to interpret the messages within you know the, the said genre around hip-hop I was looking at reggae dance or you know all these different you know musical dramas but then if you look in pop as well so what I found was that for black women and the darker skinned black woman in black woman in the video was the one who was more sexualized. She was more visible, so therefore we'd say hyper visible, um, but she was more sexualized. And if then there were lighter skinned black women, they were still what we'd call scantily clad, but they were not as visible and sexualized as the dark skinned black woman. Then, and it's really hard to describe, but in the video, you there's a, there's an image of a white woman who's um, you only ever see her face. So I was arguing with, throughout my thesis that, in actual fact, her 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 image, her beauty is seen to be quite um, protected. Whereas, as I said, in comparison to the black woman, she's very visible, and it's all of her body, her assets. Um, 
but with the black with the white woman you only see her hair which she had blonde hair and you only see um her face as well so you don't actually see her body so for me the video epitomized what I was you know arguing throughout but also what many people had and still experiences that there's a lot of contradictions about identity about being a woman about what is perceived to be beautiful all of these things were were there so that's why that that title was came about and it stuck and you know when I went across that graduation stage and I had, <laughs> you can imagine the you know the announcement I want to love you it sounded you know odd in that thing but in actual fact it was it was about love it was about actually you know unpacking some messages that I don't think many people sometimes are so aware that are apparent in in our everyday lives and our everyday experiences so for me it was really important to to have a title that touched on things around colorism around womanism around you know just there's so many different things there so I hope that's answered your question yeah no absolutely so and I want to come back on so many points from that I mean I guess my first question would be did you was there a personal interest in this particular sphere uh, of representation I mean did you did you grow up with a concern over representation of darker skinned black women in the media or, or was it is it purely an academic interest for you it's never a purely academic interest and I think research should never be um just that um it's I am a a black woman I am a darker skinned black woman I I've, I've experienced many of the issues that the, the the other young women at the time um I was interviewing and speaking to had experienced themselves so in actual fact it was it was about it was about me but it wasn't you know obviously it wasn't um it wasn't um but my identity and, and my experiences and what I what I felt was centred because it was so much aligned to what other people similarly to me had been experienced and do experience. So yes, it would be. You know, it was very much. You know, um, I've experienced this in my everyday lived. You know, lived experiences. So therefore, I need to. Um, I felt like I needed to talk about it and then when I was going you know conferences and presentations and just talking to people generally about it it was very much oh I've experienced that you know so yeah it, it was something that many people had it had um, and could relate to. So you basically get, get to study the representations that surround us everywhere right in magazines on TV in our music videos the images that most of us are consuming without necessarily thinking much about yeah. um and so I guess I'm really curious to understand sort of when you've studied these representations of blackness and of course there's differences because the conversation we're having today is around colorism but what are the some of the main findings around the characterizations? And I know that's going to have to be generalizations because we're then talking across loads of different genres. But are there kind of some broad categories that we can say blackness is represented as in the media? So blackness is, you know, you've got if we if we compare it to whiteness, we have those crude binaries around, you know, um, beautiful versus ugly good versus bad and and you know black and dark being 
you know, in, in the, the negative or bad category, categorization as a chute. Whereas, you know, you have white seen as pure, you know, beautiful. And so those contradictions are then seen within the media, those, those binaries, you know, what young people, older people, you know, people generally experience and feel. So those translate into things like um, aspects of popular culture in, in music, in technologies, all of that, you know, when we're thinking about um, um, and uh, around algorithm, algorithms and, and you know, um, or sorry, not algorithm, face technologies and not being able to see features on darker skinned. Mm. The, the testing hasn't necessarily been on darker skin or, you know, um, or, or, you know, previously, and I'm, I'm glad now this is not the case that, you know, makeup, you know, in, in shades um, like mine was, was just wasn't available or it was, mm. it was very powdery and it was, it was all very orangey and it wasn't very pleasant. So now we're seeing a lot more shades and, you know, things that are available. But yes, in terms of your question, it's yes, these things do translate into everyday experiences and the, the characterizations as I said you know it's that there are these binaries there are these um lived experiences that often result in harsher outcomes for darker skinned people and that's not just black people but it's dark skinned people you know mm-hmm. from different ethnicities um around the globe how they experience it in different cultures as well so this is exactly what I was uh, going to ask you about. I was going to say, so we obviously are all imbibing these different images and from what we're imbibing in, uncritically, right? Because when we're watching TV, a lot of the time, our kind of critical minds aren't necessarily on or when we're watching an advert or as we pass by on the bus or whatever. Um, what's the risk that that you see to the imbibing of the current representations of blackness and whiteness, actually, uh, that we see around us. And I think, you know, it was really interesting. Obviously, we we talk about representations of blackness and the the negativity and, of course, the harm that seems fairly obvious that would come from such negative representations of blackness. But presumably, there's also like quite a lot of harm being done in the other direction, which is in false representations of whiteness or misrepresentations of whiteness? Yeah, I think I think there's that's quite a complex question, but I think there's like there's an issue around people essentializing, you know, their identity. So you have the issue around blackness being kind of linked to particular physical or kind of um, phenomenal types, you know, around identity so you, you have you have you know blackness being you know categorized but then you also have whiteness but then you have to think about all those people that don't fit into these essentialized um you know notions of 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 different ethnicity and you know blackness or, or whiteness you know however you know we're looking at that on a spectrum and I do think there's it's hard for, for harder for people who, who don't, don't identify, who who may be perceived by themselves or you know through their own experiences and whatever may have happened as ethnically you know um, ambiguous or not sure. So I think it's hard for some individuals to actually fit within these categories, especially when they sometimes can be quite narrow mm. and narrowed by sometimes the people 
within them that decide them themselves. Um, but then you have others, and if you, you know, we put put it in a in a popular culture, or you know, you know, let's talk about the um, the little mixed manner where people are appropriating and doing things that they shouldn't do, and I think that's where the problems lie. You know, there are there are certain problems that we have with people, as I said, appropriating and not acknowledging the historical struggles and the different conjunctions that people have had to experience, especially from especially darker skinned black African um, people, you know, across the diaspora have experienced and taking, you know, bits that they like and disregarding some of the historical struggles um, that individuals have had to, to face. So I do think, just to reiterate, I think there's the issues around people staying in their silos and essentializing you know, different types of ethnicity. I think it's harder for individuals that don't necessarily fit neatly into these categorizations because there is something around kind of, you know, if you're if you're black, you should be like this. If you're white, you should be like this. Well, what about people that are on a mixture and a, an accumulation of many different things? But there is, as I said, there are set problems and there, there are things with people appropriating and not acknowledging the impact that it's had on individuals such as like black fishing and things like that, that these things are happening more and more, becoming more apparent. And um, obviously within the media, we're, we're hearing more about them through discussions. Um, and, um, but it's just not, it's not acceptable. Uh, so let's let's be let's be uh, honest. We're talking. We're referencing here for those uh, listeners who don't know which clip we're listening. We're referring, to, of course, to one of the other little mix. Um, or I should say former Little Mix uh, singers who uh, whose video uh, titled Bad Boys um, caused a lot of controversy uh, because the uh, singer who is racialized as white uh, is in the video. How would we say she is uh, wearing or well, she certainly looks a lot darker in the video than uh, her, her, her natural skin tone? Let's put it that we can start we can start there. Um, and um, other, uh, shall we say? Let's start there and finish. No, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, so, and I and I think that's it. Maybe, maybe we can touch on that because, of course, there are a whole sets of people making entire careers. We're talking about white women making careers, uh, which involve, you know, a perception of themselves as darker than what they actually are. And um, I think there's a lot of confusion around this yeah. area. I'm thinking of like the Kim Kardashians, and yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's not just in terms of darker skin tone, I also think it's, you know, bodily aesthetics around buttocks and kind of body shape, you know, that, that whole slim thickness, that that whole, you know, notion um, of, you know, um, of having a, a larger buttock, slimmer waist and, you know, but without actually acknowledging people like Sarah Bartman, Sarah Bartman or, you know, um, otherwise known as the hot and top Venus, who, um, was a South African woman from the 18th century who was treated absolutely um, appallingly um, by, in the UK and um, in France as well, um, and paraded around, you know, like a, as a freak show. There's, there's little to no acknowledgement in terms of the impact that the, the, the kind of historical struggles around body, but you know, so even though it's now become 
more about skin tone because now you know we have things like um social media so you can just do you know little selfies and things like that you know, and but it's you know um i do think we need to also talk about the the body as well because i think that has been um appropriated misappropriated as well i think and of course, we we saw um, it, you know, with refer with reference to this particular uh, singer uh, when the video came out, a defence, right, which seemed to be a defence rooted uh, a defence of the video, which she seemed to have rooted in the idea of um, it actually being a form of admiration, or um, I would say, uh, and and it's not the first time we've heard this particular response, right, the idea that it actually stems from um, admiration and appreciation of of black culture, and I think even uh, you know, Nicki Minaj had weighed in uh, at a particular point in an Instagram live about, you know, the 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 critique, the critique critiques of the video were misplaced. Um, how how are how should this question of appreciation versus appropriation have been navigated in your view with regards to let's take that specific video just so we've got something concrete to to dig into? In my in terms of the video, it's problematic on a number of levels. Um, you know, the whole bad boy, the notion of the bad boy. Um, and I haven't fully watched the video, but from what I've read about it and what I've seen little clips, am I right in saying that the, the bad boys are mainly um, men of colour? <laughs> I would say that the whole video situates itself in what appears to be uh, African American neighbor, an African American neighborhood, and that the style seems African American to me as a white English person. <laughs> okay, so, so so once we've once we've got that, you know, um, center stage. So you you have a white woman, and then you have setting, you know. Uh, you want to say urban um <laughs> neighborhood or um and it's and the, the notion of a bad again you know thinking i want a bad boy. if we if we if wow. we change bad for a black black yeah boy, yeah but what, what do we then have in terms of looking at black men you know in terms of if we, if we bring this back to, to colorism yeah you know the black man's bodies are often better sized, better sized, it's often seen to be, you know, um, more domineering, more um, strong, more, um, I don't know, I've got a note here that I wanted to, because this is something I really wanted to talk about. Um, it's, it seemed to be, you know, you wouldn't, you, would, you don't have the same um, structures and the same notion around black women's body, you know, in terms of comparison to, to black male bodies. So if you've got a white woman, who's vying for the attention or saying that she'd like to have a, a white, a, sorry, a black man in this, then straight away, we, as I said, it's that, that's that's one problem. And then the mm. bad. So her being a, perceived to be good, and being bad, you know. Okay. Um, white innocence. White yes. innocence and then, you know, the bad black male. Um, yeah bad black man you know it's 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 linked in so many different tropes around blackness it's linked in tropes around identity but it's also as i said that innocence purity bad evil devilish all of those really you know quite crude and crass um 
connotations around black people generally but then as I said you have them in black masculine loaded within black masculinity and often it's linked to notions of hyper masculinity as well isn't it around uh, black men's identity then you just you, you have Jesse's aesthetic you know within the video which is you know people have questioned obviously it's seen clips haven't seen all of it so do correct me um but it is that you know perceived to be um darker you know skin tone slightly you know darker than what we've seen previously um and she she definitely made a point really different things that, you know um do you have another question on, on that specifically well, no, she, she, she definitely made a point about the her skin tone in the video because actually in the uh, Instagram live that they did trying to defend the clip because of course oh God, there's a lot of furor for those who missed it around this particular video um she she sort of tried to hint or seemed to be hinting at the fact that she'd always just been a dark-skinned white person um I don't know if you caught the live by the way but that but that was what the what the conversation ended up yeah so 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 it was just it was a um slightly perplexing to me that that was where the conversation ended up it ended up being i guess more of a conversation around um skin tone in a superficial way rather than i suppose what people were affronted about was that she seemed to be tapping into the worst stereotypes of a particular racial identity and of course commercially um, making money off of that. Um, I wanted to ask you about the the representation. So of course, you, you mentioned already that representations of black femininity were linked with kind of hypersexualization. And um, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the time it's hypersexualization and almost like um, defenseless, I guess, in, in the sense that the black, black bodies are more exposed. I don't know if defenseless is the right term, but kind of more exposed than um, white bodies, and and you just mentioned the the on the, on the other hand, or how black masculinities are defined. Mm -hmm. How would you say that um, white femininity and white masculinity tend to be represented in the public arena? I would say, if we're talking about which, you know, if we're talking about, um, I I would argue that some Rita Ora, let's for instance she's a white person with Albanian heritage so in actual fact you know there's been a lot of references to, to her people questioning her ethnicity so yeah. in arena there's you know someone like Rita Ora has been perceived because people have asked her you know what's your ethnicity she's perceived to be ethnically ambiguous and she's she says, and she's, I think she said this on the, break, on the Breakfast um, Club show, that a lot of people think that I have an in um, commas a black heritage, but I like that. It gets me places. Okay. Um, so for her to say that it gets her places, um, we, could, we could question, and we should be questioning, if she was perceived just to be white, European, without anything that would... Um, question her identity in terms of I know she she has blonde hair but I, I do believe she she dyes that I don't know um but and she's had other you know um types of different hairstyles that again have made a question so I do think there's there's something around 
there's there's a, almost like a blurring of identities sometimes. White identities are not just seen as they're often, they were previously, as I said, if we, if we go back to the point that I made, the point I made before around the binaries, you know, seem to be more attractive, more um, seem to be yeah more attractive. It's linked to, to kind of beauty and whiteness generally. But I would argue now, within particular popular cultures, you see more, you know, there's you know more people likely to tan, and more people wanting to have, you know, slightly you know different hairstyles. You know, we can see me. I've got you know what we say edges and um, I've seen you know um you know white white women white girls with you know similar braids edges and things like that so I, I do think there is more questions around white people appropriate in aspects of blackness so I don't think it's as as simple as just kind of white identities have always been seen like this and you know we, we do have you know, a lot of questions around, you know, if um, and black women do, you know, the argument around protective hairstyles, weaves and wigs and things like that, and the, the types of colour hair that, you know, black women will have, you know, is it straight, is it their natural hair? So there, there are, you know, things that from, you know, if we're looking at whiteness in opposition to blackness, there are, there is, you know, I, I kind of see any identity was on the spectrum, but I'd argue that there's more and more questioning around and blurring of lines around identities. And is that, because I think some people might think of that as, as a positive thing, but I sense that that, that might not be where you're going with the, with the point. And I, I'm curious about the hairstyles question, question because I think uh, that would be another one where a lot of people might just say, particularly young people who are watching the hairstyle of one of their favourite artists and thinking, oh, I just want to mimic that are there certain hairstyles that you know white people shouldn't wear that they shouldn't you know I know this is the dreadlocks one has been going for a long time but, oh but... don't start <laughs> I used to work with someone that um, had dreadlocks and it, and it, it, it was um yeah it became problematic on, on, on numerous levels um because that person often felt as though they could relate to me as a black person so because they had, you know, the, talking to me about hair, their, their hair type is different to my hair type. Um, so in terms of, do I see it as a positive thing or a negative thing? Um, I see it as a thing that we need to keep an eye on. I see it as something that, you know, if we're, we're not, I mean, look at look at this, the issue that we're talking about around, you know, the little mix and there's other, you know, Kim Kardashian people always make reference to Kim Kardashian. Um, and I think rightly so, you know, the, as I said, it's when it's become problematic around hairstyles and, you know, black women's hairstyles, especially protective hairstyles, protect hairstyles that have been used for centuries, um, such as kind of cane rolls and corn rolls, braids. I think that and even just wearing our hair naturally in it, in it, you know, natural state of, you know, afros or just leaving it out in twists or you know, things like that. I think when we're not, when black women are not given the same opportunities to just be and have their hair in their normal style. So as I said, some of the hairstyles that I've just mentioned it, that's when it becomes a problem because if white women, for instance, wanting to, to have cane rolls or corn rolls or braids, 
Oh, you've frozen ever so slightly there for a minute. Hopefully you will come back very quickly. Think. Oh, so we had it. We had a, a little freeze there, unfortunately. But you're back. You're back now. Yeah, I, I, I continue. I do continue. But I do think there's there's an issue when when black women are not allowed to have their hair in particular styles. Black um, white women are celebrated for having that, and oh, I didn't know your hair could get into that style. Um, but black women are, are demonised or penalised for doing the same thing. So I do think you know if if people are not governed by the same standards, which often we're not, then that's when it becomes problematic. Um, yeah. So is that, so is the conclusion of that, that there are hairstyles that white people just should steer away from? Or is it the conclusion that, that you know, because I'm just thinking, for example, uh, you know, if you if you're part of a mixed family, for example, you're you have relatives who are black, they might braid your hair like as they might be braiding other people's hair. And you might walk out with that thinking, well, yeah, my cousin just braided my hair, but I didn't really think twice about it. But then that would be perceived, obviously, as an appropriation once you step outside the house. I think I think it's, you know, Sometimes I've seen, you know, many white people get their hair braided when they're, you know, travelling. Um, I personally don't see an issue with it, you know, but I think it's about acknowledging and, you know, it's whether, you know, when people go into the, the workplace or education, you know, when black boys want to have, you know, lines or shapes in their hair, why are they not allowed to do that? So I think if people are allowed to have the, and governed by the same standards and not as I said, penalised for having that. And also people need to acknowledge the impact. So it's saying, you know what, this might be for a short time, you know, you get an understanding, get a, a historical, social, economic understanding of where these these stars have come from and also the impact of both those, the, you know, historically, how they have impacted on um, other individuals who are aware of them. Um, and I would say in the case of hairstyles, especially, you know, if, if it comes from family and you're wearing it out, be an ally, you know, you know, in terms of supporting people, others that you see, you know, compliment them. You know, if you see a black woman with their hair out, don't say, can I touch your hair? You know, or, you know, does it go, you know, you know, um, you know, what happens when it gets wet or things like that. Just acknowledge it looks good and leave it at that. <laughs> it's always always complimenting it's always a good way to go yes. um, um on on the subject of um uh, so i recently had a, a a little spat over this question of the, the kardashians and the, the the idea that they're imitating um black bodies and um, there was a whole conversation uh, that was getting quite heated over this. And some people said, well, you know, they're actually um, trying to capitalize. They're basically trying to recreate black bodies, but with white faces. And I was curious as to what you would make of that particular argument, because my slight concern with it was that well, there's also like a sense that you might be stereotyping black bodies, which come in like obviously like a range of shapes and sizes. And the idea that there's only like one type of black body is also quite reductive to 
black women and can make some black women who don't have that body shape of who my some of my friends specifically I'm thinking of who will say well you know what about me that's definitely not how my body looks or am I not black because my body doesn't represent that where are we in the conversation um so I was just wondering what you make of that do you would you say that there is this trend now particularly now with like how easily accessible plastic surgery is to so many people to recreate uh, a body type and do you think that body type is 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 it an imitation of would you say it's an imitation of black bodies is that because I I was seeing it more as pornography (laughs) as like like bodies that were being exaggerated in every way like tiny ways big boobs big bums you know noses that look a particular way skin always always like there's an aesthetic Lips, of course, lips as well. And it seemed to me that most of us humans come with like, if we're genetically blessed, like maybe one of those, maybe two of those, but very few of us kind of have all of those. And generally that's actually more like in the world of plastic surgery in my in my experience of, of that particular physical type, but that's just my, my two pence. Okay, so um, I think there's, so if you go back to what you first mentioned around Kim Kardashian, and it yeah. used to be a, a kind of white face with black bodily aesthetics, and um, we could, yes, definitely, we could, we could argue that, that that's one way to see her. There's, there's so many ways to, to kind of view someone like Kim Kardashian, because even though her, her body is not given the same level of scrutiny, um, and, and and it's not treated in the same way that black bodies are. And especially, you know, if we go back to the issue of colorism, darker skinned bodies. So, you know, her her and her, you know, people in her family as well, um, they're seen as more palatable in terms of, you know, um, they're, they're, they're seen as accepted, accepted by others. So, you know, um, if it's black men, white men, you know, everyone would, would want to, to, to kind of be with, um, someone you know like like Kim Kardashian and Co. Um, trying to be nice. Um, I, I do I do agree with your point that there is um, an issue around stereotyping of black women's bodies, and th- then yes, you have that notion as I said that's kind of slim. I say slim tick, um, slim slim thickness. You know around being shapely, particular you know curvaceous. Um, you know, um, is it BBL? That's what they call it. <laughs> no, why here? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I do think that many, and, the, and, I, and I do know, and, and I did actually include this in my thesis, that the, there was a, a woman at the time of writing, I think um, her name was Claudia from London. Um, in, and I think she went over to the, to, um, to get, you know, a book um, enhancement. Um, but went to somewhere that wasn't, you know, legit or, um, and, and unfortunately she she died as a result of that, that procedure. Yeah, they're really risky. Like people don't realise, yeah, a lot, it's actually like the most high risk procedure, um, these Brazilian butt lifts. Yeah, so I do, I do think that it's problematic stereotype or black women, and it also puts black women, black women and coming all different shapes, all different sizes that should be separated. Um, but as you said, you know, it, it, it can be quite pressurising. And I do think 
that for those that don't fit into this very limited way of seeing black women and black and the range of, of black, you know, the, the nuances of black bodies and black shapes and black hair type, you know, there's, there's so much there. Um, it can be problematic. And as I said, pressurising and I do think social media is not helpful. It can be hindrance, to, you know, especially filters or, you know, things like that to make people look lighter, brighter, um, tighter. Yes. <laughs> There's a, a filter yet that's got me. <laughs> I actually, there yeah. is. There's apparently a body app, which I've just learned about. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, so there's like a body app that all these, like, you know, influencers are using, which basically... Uh, you know, the same way your face gets distorted with like the face apps where it does the same thing to your body. So it does the the slim thick thing, but for your whole physique, which also then it creates like so much more delusion for many young people growing up looking at people they think of as either friends or, you know, people they look up to and uh, clearly being very distorted by that. Um I want to ask you about the the roots of colorism. Where does where does this colorism concept come from? So, firstly, it's important to define what colorism is, and it's a it's a it's a form of racism. It's a form of you know racism that you know from people within um, the same ethnic and racialized group do have, um, but also it's preference preferential treatment based on the 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 kind of um the sh shadism so you know if you're darker you seem to be you know um given less you know um, um what's the word i'm looking for kind of um preferential treatment and seem to be you know as i said you know things around that not attractive or not to be beautiful or not you know even harsher punishment within um in the criminal justice system and even you know in um deployment statuses so you know dark skinned people get less opportunities than lighter skinned people so colorism is a really powerful thing where it's come from is it's come stemmed from um I suppose where the question is then colorism is a form of racism where's racism come from racism has come from the issue around um categorizations of different racial groups and that's then by slavery and colonialism and you know those the differential treatment based on um individuals based on their their skin tone um but also around um treatment you know who was um who were the people that were sorry i've lost my train of thought the um enslaved people given um less you know, out in the field doing harder, more kind of manual work and people, you know, the light skin tone to give them preference to to be able to, to, to kind of be in the house. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so much issues related to colorism. What I'd say in terms of where it stems from, if you want to summarize white supremacy and the notion that, you know, whiteness and, and white identities and white people are better than black people. Which mm. No, the argue is not the case at all. But that's where it stems from: white supremacy, and it's, and it's about, you know, legacies of imperialism, colonialism, and slavery. 
And so um, the reason I, I mean, I, I had an inkling that might might be your response, but I, the reason I wanted to ask is that as well was because I feel that it's so, colorism is so omnipresent, right? We, even if we're not critically engaging with the posters and the TV and the, the film stars, we, we are aware, I'd say most people I'd like to think are aware that there is a bias towards lighter skin and a bias against darker skin and we we even you know we've seen Hollywood stars talk about um you know their different experiences and how long it's taken for a dark skin black woman black actress to be recognized I think in itself speaks uh, volumes you know there's probably a reason why you know Halle Berry was the first black woman to win an Oscar albeit that she's extremely talented and, and was fantastic in that role um I I did want to ask you about colorism and dating because I think a lot of people will say, and I've heard this many times, it's just my personal preference. Mm -hmm. so what do you say to people who say, oh no, I've got nothing against, and this can come from anyone, right? I think that's clear. It could come from anyone of any background I've heard make this statement. It's just my personal preference. Yeah, I remember watching um, a dating program um, a while ago, and there was um, what um, a mixed mixed heritage, so in terms of black and white um, ethnicity woman, and there was um, um, a white male that had had um, seen her. But he was he said, "Well, I want to procreate." His words, not mine, <laughs> um, and I don't think um, we're a match. And you know, for me, this is this was years ago when I was and I think I was in the early stages of writing my PhD and I thought how powerful is that that you know that they were they were very similar and had um many commonalities and one you know instance but you know when he saw her he was just like no I want to procreate I don't want my 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 children and my offspring to to have any reminiscence of, of black or anything like that um it's the ways in which you know we've, we've discussed already um, how colorism has had on individuals, it has on people dark, you know, who are darker skinned, you know, trying to 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 find love, you know, it impacts on relationships. Um, it impacts on the way you know someone may not find dark skinned people, in particular, you know, when we're thinking about colorism, it's very much linked to gender. You know, there's, there's the, the intersection between, um, you know, skin complexion, shadism, and um, and and gender. You know, they, they they, as I said, intersect. So therefore, you know, when we're thinking about who's less likely to be picked, who's less likely to to kind of be in long-term relationships, like you know, and and have um, marital status, it will be darker-skinned black women. We saw it on Love Island, didn't we? Like Love Island. We've seen it on Love Island. What on every? Has it been in every series so far? That you know the 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 black the black because there's usually only one. There might be two occasionally. Um, oh. Contestant is is you know rarely cho often leaves first, right? Leaves very early on, um, and you know. I think that the show itself sought to respond to that, right? By just saying, well, I mean, what can we do about it? It's just personal preference. But there's deeper roots to this problem. And what, I mean, if you were speaking to like a Love, uh, a Love Island exec, 
what would you say, what could be done within the industry to sort of challenge the fact that these shows actually end up reproducing maybe a sense that it's completely normal for this to happen or it's completely normal for the the darker skin contestants to leave first or to be perceived as less attractive is there something that could be done i think you know when we go to understanding what the mainstream is and understanding what you know aspects of popular culture i, I don't believe very often that they were written for black people and you know um I remember before when just I think it was you know um had a photo shoot for something and I luckily I put my own makeup but there wasn't any makeup for me there wasn't any any you know and, and you just kind of because the person was looking like oh it's time for your makeup what to, I can do your mascara so sometimes these programs, and if I was to speak to them, they're not always written, you know, with black people in mind. Mm. So therefore, you know, I'm not surprised that very often black people do get not selected or, um, you know, not selected in the first option, um, first instance, but or they're the first to leave. So I would be, be arguing that, you know, having dating shows where, um you know, whether I've, I've heard about, you know, um, Love Island in, well, I've, I've watched Love Island um, Brazil, you know, the Brazilian one, um, didn't understand the word, but the, it was interesting because the black couple came together, the, the, mm-hmm. but to them, it was very much around their identity, it was very much around mm-hmm. that, so I would, you know, be screening people to make sure that, you know, asking the questions, would you be interested in finding this? Or having, having our own dating shows where it's, you know, black people looking for other black people that look like them. You know, yeah. it's not to say that you shouldn't have and be including the mainstream, but understanding that the mainstream wasn't always written and it will not always reflect. And if you cannot have, you know, who who asks, who's in the um, selection panel, who are the, the execs, you know, um, who is it, you know, made after, you know, made for, sorry, who's the, who are the main viewers of these things? So I would be wanting to not necessarily speak to always the exec, but actually speak to the contestants and say, are you sure this is right for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because as well, what people do, especially um, black people when, when they're in the public arena, is they get a lot of scrutiny, they get a lot mm-hmm. of racism, they get a lot of, you know, people talking about their hair or their skin or, you know, looking to, to kind of reduce them to very narrow um, stereotypes around what they think black woman or woman should be like and often it doesn't conform to to what we see on screen. And I think, you know, we need more nuanced ways of seeing and understanding black people generally. So um, long and short of it, I think, yeah, I want to speak to the contestants. <laughs> more diverse members on the deck team because I don't think they're going to ever reflect, you know, um, the, yeah, the diversity that we're, we're asking for and that's going to be Thank you so much uh, for all of that. Um, we'll now go to our quick fire round, which is quick fire questions and quick fire answers. Um, the what is your definition of whiteness? 
it's going to be quick. Um, That's definitely the challenge. <laughs> okay, privilege. What is the root of racism? A lack of understanding, a lack of care, a lack of acknowledgement of just lack of yeah, a mis a misunderstanding of, of just everything around each other. Um, what is the opposite of whiteness? Other. Is there such a thing as a post-racial world in your view? And is that universalist ideal ever achievable or even desirable? Post-racial world, no. Is it desirable? Of course, ideally, you know, there'll be a point where my when I walk into a room or um, people don't see my, you know, black skin and think, you know, I'm going to steal something from a shop or that I'm going to be loud and aggressive or, you know, or whatever, you know, the stereotypes. I love that. Do I think it's achievable in my lifetime? My child's lifetime? My grand, hopefully, potential? No, I don't, unfortunately. Uh, is whiteness a useful conceptual tool in conversations on anti-racism? It can be. It can be. And um, I'm going to add a little bit more there because I remember having a class um, and talking about whiteness and, and the students, said, why are we talking about whiteness? Why, 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 you know, why white? And, and I was like, this is exactly why. We need to both and understand that whiteness because that, that that person didn't understand that whiteness was a thing. So I do, yes, I, I think yes. So in terms of understanding, um, you know, and be and becoming anti-racist. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Taylor, for your time, for your comments. If people want to connect with you, your work, your ideas, where would you like to refer them to? Um, social media. You know, I, I only accept uh, on a request. Um, you know, because I have experienced things like racism, but yeah, um, uh, Dion, D-I-O-N-N-E dot Taylor, um, one, two, three at, um, at Twitter or whatever the Twitter handle is. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all of your insights. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today to this episode of We Need to Talk About Whiteness. Please do subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud and join us next time for more conversations on whiteness. Thank you.